Well, today we're going to start uh, a six-week series in the book of Acts. We're going to be walking through, uh, looking at the genesis of the local church. Now, you know, as we've walked through the last four weeks through the Gospels, through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, uh, it's a clear narrative that's there, the three synoptic Gospels, and then you add on the book of John as well that we were in last week. It's a clear story, a narrative of the life of Jesus. It talks about what Jesus did. It talks about what he said. It talks about uh, his actions, his sermons, his miracles, all the things that Jesus did, certainly lessons that we can learn and, and doctrine that we can hold on to, the, the picture of the Gospel, and of course, the incredible gift that Jesus gave to us when He died on the cross and when He was buried, when He rose again. There's no doubt, there's no question that, that in that context and in uh, those four books, we get a picture of what our faith is really all about. Now, when you move past the book of Acts and you get into the later part of the New Testament, you get into the, the pastoral epistles, you get into the other books that make up the rest of the New Testament. You notice that if you spent any time at all looking at the four Gospels and then you looked at the rest of the books in the New Testament, that if you did not have the book of Acts, it would be a little confusing. It would be a little disconcerting if you did not have the book of Acts right in the middle. Because what the book of Acts really is, it's a bridge. It's a, it's a connection between the life of Christ and the actions of the church. It's the, the bridge between what Jesus said and what He taught and what He did, and then the people who, who kind of carried it out and lived it out in the local church and began preaching and teaching. In fact, when you look at Paul's epistles, you see the letters that he wrote were all to, to churches that had been established, churches that had grown, churches that were doing incredible things all over the world. And that took place because of what happened in the book of Acts. Now, in your Bible, you'll look at the book of Acts and it talks about the Acts of the Apostles. And that certainly is true. You see what took place in, with Peter and with Paul and others that were involved in that process. But, but really kind of the picture of what the book of Acts is really about, and Porter Barrington says it this way, it really should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because what happened is that the Holy Spirit showed up and truly transformed a bunch of ragtag people. People that the world said really didn't have much to offer, didn't have much to give, didn't have uh, much impact or influence, and it used this ragtag, ragtag group of people, and through them, the world continues to be changed as a result of what God did through His Holy Spirit in the lives of the people that we're going to talk about. And so, on the book that you have in front of you, it says Acts of the Apostles, but then you'll also see uh, as well, behind it, Actions of the People. Because what we're going to be talking about is just regular people. When Luke wrote this book, and we know that Luke wrote it, when he you know, kind of walked through the Gospels, he wrote the, the book of Luke, and then you look in Acts chapter 1, the very first verse, it talks about how, hey, I already wrote my former statement, I wrote my former treatise, I, I already gave you know, information about what took place before, and he basically says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. So here's the rest of the story. Like, like here's what happened next. Here's what took place after Jesus ascended into heaven. And so he begins to tell the narrative, tell the story. In Acts chapter 1, obviously we get the ascension. We get Jesus ascending back into heaven. And then after that took place, the, the, the disciples all kind of gathered back up and they, they, they kind of retreated back into Jerusalem. They walked back over about a half a mile into Jerusalem, got into the upper room. Man, they did what I think any of us would have done. They got together and prayed. 
They spent some time seeking God, like, what do we do now? They were probably afraid. They were scared because Jesus had just told them that they were to go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples of all the nations. He had just told them, hey, you've got a responsibility to go to the uttermost parts of the earth and tell people about me and tell people about what I've done. They're probably afraid. They're probably scared, not sure exactly what to do. And so Acts chapter 1 says that they went and they got back into that room and they prayed. And after they prayed, they decided, hey, we need some more help. And so they, they got together and they, they chose the person that would, that would then take the place of Judas. And then Acts chapter 2, man, just as Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit shows up. The Holy Spirit descends in that place and, and power descends in that place. And the presence of God was in that place. Peter began preaching and he shared a powerful sermon about what what God had done through His Son, Jesus. In the last part of Acts chapter 2, you see the picture of the, the genesis of the local church, that church beginning right there in Jerusalem that then would spread around the world. You go into Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are preaching and they're healing and they're, they're sharing the gospel, sharing the good news with people there in Jerusalem. And then, of course, just as Jesus faced, they began to face opposition. They were arrested for what they were preaching and teaching. After they were arrested, they were then released. And then they got together and they prayed for boldness. And it's interesting in this this first couple of chapters in the book of Acts that every time that they were faced with crisis, every time they were faced with conflict, every time that they had an issue in front of them and not sure what to do, their first thing that they did was get on their knees before God. Man, they went to prayer. And so they prayed for boldness in Acts chapter 4. And then we're going to pick up the story here in Acts chapter 4 as we continue to to move through this this powerful book and talking about actions of the people. And as we do so, one thing that we're going to do is we're going to begin reading and talking about some individuals that were not like the big names. Like, not like the ones that you're, you're used to hearing about, you know, the Peter and the, and the James and the Johns and the Apostle Pauls. We're not going to really spend a lot of time talking about them. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of those regular people, some of those regular people that God used to change the world. And so I want to point your attention to Acts chapter 4. Now remember, before we read this passage, the context of what we're reading, the context of what we're talking about here, it all flows from, it all kind of comes from the idea that in this moment, you know, Peter and John had just gotten out of jail, they had just had a prayer meeting praying for boldness, and they're gathered there, they're spending time together. And then let's read what it says in Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 32. It says these words, Now, the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. With great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all of those who owned lands or houses sold them, uh, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. And Joseph, verse 36, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field that he owned, he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now you go back to verse 36, and they introduce, Luke introduces a character here. He introduces someone that we've not heard about before, it says his name is Joseph, it says right there, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, but then it says that the one the apostles called Barnabas. Now, the reason that's important is his name was Joseph. So, why did they call him Barnabas? Well, back in that day, 
when there was someone that was meaningful to people, that someone that they respected, someone that they had a high value of, that it was not uncommon at all for people to, to apply nicknames to someone, to say that this, this person, they would give them a special name, a nickname. And so in this nickname that they gave to this man named Joseph, they gave him the name Barnabas. When you look into the Greek of what that is, and, and basically means this, is it, it's bar, which means like of or, or there, and it says of periclesis. So in other words, like a comforter. And so it says, which is translated, son of encouragement. And so this man, Barnabas, is the one that we're going to spend some time talking about today because I believe that in the, the personality of, in the actions of, in the, the response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the impact that he had, had seen in his own life as what Jesus had done, I believe we can learn a great deal from Barnabas in this story, in this passage, that kind of flows back to what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, which is, is kind of a, you know, a kind of key verse for this. And it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. In other words, this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's all about Jesus. It's all about who he is and what he's done. And through the life of part Barnabas, we can learn some great character study, some great character traits that we can put into our own lives. So as we go into our notes, we're going to dig right in here and kind of talk about this guy, this regular guy who came from Cyprus, who had arrived here in Jerusalem for this week. He's, he's there during this time. The disciples had already had some interactions with him. We don't know much about him to this point, but obviously the interactions that they'd had with him had gotten them to the place that they, they called him by a special name. And so uh, we see here in the first part of your notes that Barnabas was known as an encourager. It says here that he was called the son of encouragement. And so here's the question that we need to ask ourselves about ourselves. What do people say about you? When you look at the life of Barnabas, when you look at who he is and what he's done, verse 36, the one the apostles called the, the son of encouragement, what is it about him that actually made a difference, that made it something that we could see in our own lives that we need to have present in everything that we do? Barnabas was the kind of guy that impacted the others in a positive way. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a few moments. But when, when Paul, after he had come to Christ and after he had had that conversion uh, experience and he went to the disciples, the disciples wanted nothing to do with him, but yet it was Barnabas that encouraged them to talk with Paul. When you look at Barnabas, when he also had the interaction with John Mark and Paul said, I don't want to take him with us because he deserted us. It was Barnabas that tried to be the peacemaker. He was the one that was trying to encourage everyone there that was involved in that situation. Barnabas was an encourager. So what do people say about you? When people think about you in a context of a conversations and think about you in the context of your relationships with people within your family or, or friends or maybe at work or, or wherever it might be, do people call you an encourager or do people call you things like gossip or do people say that you're a negative person, someone that's always discouraging others or, or putting others down or, or talking badly about other people? You see, right out of this passage in Acts chapter 4, we understand about Barnabas. He was known as encourager. And I think for all of us here today that this is something that we should try in our own journeys to emulate, to try to be exactly like that where people would know us as someone who when they walk in the room, you know that you're going to be encouraged. 
that you know that you're going to have something to add value to the room in which you walk in. That's what leadership is really all about. And all of us are called to be leaders. All of us are called to make a positive contribution, to make a positive impact. And the only way we can do that is when we are a person who encourages. And we find that encouragement in our actions. And so we go to point two of our notes, what do actions say about you? And one thing we know about Barnabas here and the actions that he had, Barnabas was known as a giver. He was someone who was generous in everything that he did. When you look in this passage, verse 37, it says that he sold a field that he owned, he brought the money, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, I just do want to take a quick moment here and go back to this passage we just read a few moments ago from verses 32 through 37. And this is not a picture of or uh, a, a statement that God gives to us through His Word that we should have some kind of, of a socialism or socialistic view of, of life and of, of, of resources and, and of possessions. That's not what He's talking about. It doesn't say here that that everybody brought their stuff and and they gave up their ownership of it. What it says is that they were generous. They were willing to share what they had with everyone there so that all of them could bless one another. And that's what a picture of generosity is all about. That's what a picture of being a giver is all about. Now, even though Barnabas, he was a Levite. And as a Levite, if you go back into the Old Testament, it tells us Levites were not allowed to own property. In fact, you go back when, when they were splitting up the land, when, when, when Moses was leading them into the promised land, and then he died, and Joshua took them over into the land, and they began, you know, kind of doling out the property and say, here, you can have this deed, and this deed's for you, and, and they gave out all the acreage there. You know that Moses and Joshua both said, the Levites do not get uh, an allotment of the land because their allotment is in is in Christ, is in God, is in who He is in God the Father. And so uh, the picture here is He was a Levite. Now that doesn't mean that He was someone who served as a priest. It doesn't mean He was someone who served as the Levites did in the temple, that He was like a guard or, or someone who, who helped the, the priests do what they did. But He still owned land. Now it might have been land back in Cyprus where He came from. It might have been land in Jerusalem. We don't really know. But one thing that we know is He was willing to do whatever was needed. He was willing to do whatever is needed to make a difference. And what a great statement about his personality. When you talk about somebody who was an encourager, here's a guy that that had this property, that he had this land, he had these resources, he had something that he had built up for himself and for his family, but yet he was willing to do whatever was needed. Why? Because he was a giver. He was someone who was generous. He was someone who wanted to make a difference. And what we can learn from that is he, that he taught us to use what we have. Every single person in this room has an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of other people. Some can do that through giving. Some can do that through serving. Some can do that through praying. All of us are given unique gifts and unique talents, and and God expects us to be generous with our gifts, generous with our talents, that God expects us to use what we have and to bring it to bear for the church, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, to make a difference. That's why right now, as we're gathered here, that in a few moments, just next door in our nursery, in our preschool areas, where, where our student ministries, elementary ministries, where we have so many people that are part of our church who are willing to give of their time to bless those kids. I think of people like Toy Hine and, and Anna Cunningham, so many others, Nancy McGuire, 
who's been serving in our children's ministry here for almost 50 years. Not toys, she'll kill me. She's right back there. I'm not talking about her. But, but people like, like, like Anna and, and like Nancy serving here for decade after decade. Why? Because they wanted to use what they have to make a difference. We can learn from the life of Barnabas what that really looks like of the kind of encouragement that he brought along. Why? That, that when he walked into the room, even the disciples knew, hey, this is a son of encouragement. He just made people feel good about themselves. So do people say that about you? What do people say about you when, when you walk in the room? What, what about the actions that you have? What do people think when you come in? You see, the church, again, Acts chapter 2 is the genesis of the church. We're, we're, we're right here in the same time frame, in the same time period. And the church was growing by leaps and bounds, and thousands of people were getting saved, and lives were being changed. And it was happening because of people like Barnabas. Now, kind of a, an imputed lesson that we can learn in this statement is this, is that if there weren't people like Barnabas who were willing to do whatever it took to carry the message of the gospel to that community and around the world, would the church have grown as quickly as it did? Would lives have been changed as quickly as they were? And I think honestly, the answer would be no. God used them. You see, Barnabas was willing to bring others along. He recognized it was not all about him. He recognized that everything that had to happen didn't have to center around his personality. He didn't want the name. He didn't want to be popular. He didn't want to be famous. He didn't want everyone to look at him. Look what it says in Acts chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. It says, when he, when Paul, arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. This is after the conversion. And so, but it says they were all afraid of him. Now listen, you know why they were afraid of Paul, right? Does anybody can tell me why they were afraid of Paul? Because Paul was killing them just a few days ago, right? I mean, Paul was one of the ones persecuting the church. He was going after the disciples. He was attacking the disciples, attacking the people who had claimed the name of Christ. And it says that when he arrived in Jerusalem that he tried to join the disciples, they were all afraid of him since they did not believe that he was indeed a disciple. But listen to verse 27. Guess who shows up? Barnabas. It says, Barnabas, however, took him, took Paul, and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road of Damascus to Damascus, and that the Lord had talked to him, and how in Damascus that he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas was willing to believe in the potential of those around him. He was willing to believe in the potential of those around him. In other words, he as so often we have a struggle with this, he was willing to believe the best in others. He was willing to give people the benefit of the doubt, to believe that there were, there were good things in people, that, that people could bring value, and regardless of what their past looked like, that they could actually make a contribution, they could make a difference, they could make an impact. And so Barnabas, as a son of encouragement, he was one of these guys who, who wanted to bring others along with him. He wanted to encourage others. He wanted to bring them along. He wanted to help them. He wanted to stand behind them and lift up their arms kind of in a, in a symbolic way to say, I'm here by your side to help you accomplish, to help you succeed. Is that something that you do? Is that something that, that you are passionate about? I look down here and I see Doug Pickerel sitting on the front row. 
And here's the guy who, man, he's been a part of this church how many years, Doug? <clears throat> how many? 63 years he's been a part of this church. That's a long time. And what I know about this, because I remember when I was a kid, I remember seeing Doug Pickrell walking in before services, going in where my dad was, walking in and encouraging my dad just simply to go and say, man, I'm praying for you. Man, I'm by your side, man. Go get him. I'm with you. And it's kind of cool for me now seeing that when I was a little kid, when you did that, Doug, for my dad, that now guess what he does? Oftentimes he'll come back on a Sunday morning before the services and he does the exact same thing for me. Now listen, he also watched me grow up. Okay. <laughs> did you catch that? He watched me grow up. And he knows that there, you know, there were some moments back in my past where if somebody would have told him back then, hey, one day he might be the pastor, Doug would say, there is no way in the world. Am I right about that? And yet, here we are. And Doug's willing to believe the best. He's willing to encourage. He's willing to help. Come alongside to lift up arms of those around, to help accomplish the purposes of the gospel. That's a picture of what Barnabas was willing to do. When the disciples said, hey, we don't want Saul, Paul, in the room because of what he had done. Remember now, just a couple of chapters ago, we're going to talk about it next week. Stephen had been stoned. He was killed. And Paul was a part of that. And now here he wants to join up with him. He wants to be a part of the team and they said, there's no way you're coming in here. And Barnabas was one said, no, 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 really. Trust him. Believe in him. So here's the question for us. In our journey, in your life, in what you're doing, where are you bringing others along? Where in your journey are you helping to encourage those that, that maybe people aren't giving a fair shake? that aren't willing to give them a second chance, not willing to, to help them in their journey, not willing to, to come alongside and to help them do what they believe that God has called them to do. You see, we can learn from Barnabas that no matter what it looks like, no matter what the past looks like, that we can make a difference. And so we see that, we learn that from, from Barnabas. Now, we also know that because of that, heart, that personality, because of that heart, because of that, that passion, that person who was the, the man who encouraged, the man who helped, the man who helped others do what they have called them to do, that we can kind of in, in, infer in this statement that Barnabas was a person who loved, loved to obey, that he obeyed God. He understood what Jesus said oftentimes, that if you love me, obey me. And so here he is, because of his obedience, God called him to act. God called him to act because he knew that he was someone that could be trusted. He knew that he was someone that would be willing to give. Acts chapter 13, look what it says in verse 1. It says, now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers. And Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, now listen, you ought to underline this in your Bible here, the Holy Spirit said, not like, you know, my friend Fred. Not like Bobby around the corner here. It says this, that the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. You think about this. This is a guy who was not one of the disciples. He was not one of the apostles. He's not one of the twelve. He had not walked with Jesus for three years as they had. He was someone who was from a foreign land, someone who, who had kind of come along at the last minute here, who was passionate in serving Christ and walking with Christ. He was someone who loved the gospel. And it says here that the Holy Spirit spoke to them. 
and said, sanctify Barnabas, set him apart for me. I want to use him to make a difference. It's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? Not like, hey, you know, his friend said, hey, Barnabas, why don't you go do this for Christ? No, no, no. The Holy Spirit called him. And why did he call him? Because he was someone who was obedient. He was someone who was willing to do what God called him and told him to do. And what did Barnabas do in response to the call of God? Now, this is a big one. It sounds so simple. It sounds so trite, but so important. When Barnabas was called to go, here's a cool thing we can learn about Barnabas. He was actually willing to go. I can't tell you how many people I've met in my life who say, man, I just feel like God's calling me to do something, but, but they never actually get off of square one. They never actually go do something. They never actually begin the process of following after God and going to serve wherever it is that God has called them. But Barnabas just simply said, look, God called me. God set me apart. Man, I'm going. I'm off. Now, here's one thing you've got to understand. Every person in this room has been called by God. It's not a special group. It's not like, you know, three or four people over in the corner of the room. Every one of us have been called by God to go, to do, to serve, to share, to reach, to preach, to teach. We've all been called. Are you willing to go? Are you willing to actually do what it is that God has called you to do? Think about this. What could you accomplish in ministry? What could you accomplish in the church? What could you accomplish with the gospel if you were simply ready to be used? No matter the situation, no matter the context, what could you accomplish if you were simply ready to be used no matter what? Man, what a picture. What a lesson we can learn from a guy like Barnabas. A guy who was, who was loving others, encouraging others, building others up, strengthening the church, growing the church. And what we learn is that Barnabas was always, always someone who wanted to give a second chance. We often hear the statement that the church is really good at shooting its own, that we're really good at sh shooting our own wounded, that when someone falls, when someone trips, when someone makes a mistake, when someone messes up, that man, we walk away from them, we get away from them, we turn our backs on them, we, we send them to the corner and we, we, we move them away from our lives, we, we mark them out of our journey because they've messed up, because they've sinned, because they've blown it. And yet Barnabas was someone who was always willing to give a second chance. Look what it says in Acts chapter 15, verse 36. After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town that where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now, Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them during the first missionary journey in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas, departed, and after being commended by the brothers and the sisters to the grace of the Lord, he traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. John Mark wanted to come back to the team. Paul said no. Barnabas said yes. Now think about that for a moment. The Apostle Paul. Like the guy that we kind of put on the highest pedestal that we can find in the, you know, in the context of, of Scripture. Paul said, no, I'm not willing to give him a second chance. Barnabas was saying, we should. 
Man, what a lesson we can learn from that. Even the apostle Paul wasn't willing to do what Barnabas did. That he was willing to give them the second chance, second chance in ministry. So hey, let's just kind of take away this idea from this life of Barnabas, an encourager that we find here. Like some things that we can learn from him. Number one, some things about you that you can kind of put in the context of your journey. So are you an encourager? Are you an encourager today? In your journey, in your walk, are you helping to strengthen others in their walk? Are you helping to push them along, to, to, to let them know that you're praying for them, caring for them, lifting up their arms? Number two, are you a generous person? Are you someone who's willing to give of your time and your talent, your treasure, to make a difference in, in the ministry of the gospel and the lives of others? Number three, do you believe the best in others? Are you willing to give people the benefit of the doubt? Are you willing to see the good in them even when maybe you know, the bad also is there? Number four, are you willing to go when called? Are you willing to go where God is opening doors? Are you willing to walk in when God puts that opportunity right in front of you to preach and to share the gospel? Are you willing to actually speak? And number five, are you willing to give others a second chance? Are you willing to see the value in people in the same way that God sees the value in us? When you think of the life of Barnabas, I want to read one more verse to you, a couple of verses to you, that kind of a, kind of a summary statement of who Barnabas really was. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 11 in verse 23. It says, when he arrived and he saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. This is what Barnabas did. The next statement, for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And large numbers of people were added to the Lord as a result. He was a good man. A man who was full of the Holy Spirit. A man who was full of faith. And because of that, the church grew. Because of that, people came to know Christ. Because of that, people's lives were changed for eternity. Can that be said of you? We started by saying that the book of Acts was a bridge between what Jesus said and did and the church that was built and the church that grew and the lives that were changed. And it all happened because of what took place in the book of Acts because of the actions of the people. The same thing is true today. The future of the gospel of Jesus Christ depends on what we do with it. Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. We know that God is going to continue to do what he promised to do. We know that the the gospel will continue to be taken. But think about the opportunities that God has placed in your path that you have not taken. And ask yourself the question, what if I had? What if I would have been faithful? What if I would have been obedient? I wonder how the world might have been changed. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the the encouragement that we read in your scripture by studying the life of somebody like Barnabas. God, encouragement to do the right thing, correction when we've done the wrong. And Father, I pray for every person gathered in this room, Lord, that you would give us wisdom. Lord, to understand what it means to 
to be the kind of person that you've called us to be, to do what you've called us to do. Father, I just pray for strength. I pray for wisdom. I pray for, uh, Lord, hearts that are open, hearts that are willing to be used, hearts that are willing to, uh, to speak truth into situations, God, to give people a second chance. Lord, to, to be a person who recognizes what it means to, to minister and encourage others when they need it the most. God, help us to be like that. Help us to be like Barnabas. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed. In a moment, we're going to stand together and sing. And our team is gathering here at the altar. As we do each and every week, if you're here today, and we talk about this gospel so often here today, if you have never come to the place in your life where you have believed that Jesus is God's son, that he died and that he rose again. If you've never come to the moment where you said, yes, I believe that he is God's son. I believe that he died for my sin, that he rose again the third day. Man, we'd love to talk with you about that. And I just encourage you in a moment when we stand and walk down and talk with one of our team members here, we'd love to, to share that message with you. Maybe you're here today and maybe you just want to come and kneel here and pray. Just say, God, make me a Barnabas. Make me someone who's an encourager. Maybe you're doing a pretty good job, but you just want to, God, give me the ability to, to take it to the next level. God, use me to make a difference. Maybe you want to come and join our church or come for baptism. Well, whatever it is that God is speaking to you today, as we stand right now, and as Scott leads us this morning, I just encourage you to step out right now. This is my desire. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this journey of faith in Jesus Christ. So send us an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, well, we're here to help you. So just reach out to us. We'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. And if you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, then go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.